Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 41. This will be a highly listened to episode just because of the title alone. We're a sex-crazed culture and society. All you need as proof of that is the knowledge that porn is the most searched-for thing on the internet. People tend to think that sex is the end-all, be-all of human existence. It's not, of course, but sex is a beautiful thing if performed within the boundaries of natural and divine law. We're going to talk about and explain those boundaries so you can better form your conscience when we come back. Hey, I want to talk to you a moment about some really hard realities Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is facing. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you for money, but I am asking for your help. Everything I do for Catholic lay people is free. I offer free answers to your Catholic questions on joesixpackanswers.com, a free email course, free webinars, and the Cantankerous Catholic Podcast is free. I do this for you because I see each six-packer as my family, and taking care of one another is what family does. My concern, of course, is for your soul, to help you become a better Catholic and attain heaven. Until recently, I'd always been able to generate enough revenue to cover my monthly expenses, but costs on almost everything have gone up. You'll notice about three months ago, I began putting display ads for Catholic merchandise in the sidebar of the Cantankerous Catholic website on several pages. Those are Amazon ads, and I get a small commission when you click on those ads to shop at Amazon. Amazon is threatening to shut me down because they're not getting enough business through my ads. If I lose the ability to advertise for Amazon, I lose money to help pay for my ever-increasing costs, and that'll eventually cause me to give up Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. I try to change the ads every few weeks. Since Amazon is the world's largest retailer, I'm fairly certain you shop there. You may not be at all interested in the things I show you in those ads, but if you click one of the ads and buy anything else on Amazon, I still get a small commission on your purchases. So I'm asking you to do me a favor by clicking on one of those ads in the sidebar of the Cantankerous Catholic website the next time you need to shop on Amazon, rather than going directly to the Amazon site. Oh, and most of the books I recommend for each episode are also linked to Amazon, so I get a commission on them too. I don't recommend those books just for the commission. I really think you should read those books because I've either read them or know the author personally or by reputation. Please help me keep Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guide functioning by going to Amazon through the ads on my website. Thank you. Everything concerning moral sexual behavior can be known from natural law alone, but God has taken all things sexual and elevated them to divine law. In fact, God is so concerned about protecting us from abusing sex and the subsequent consequences of abuse that he devoted two of the Ten Commandments to sex. The Sixth Commandment, which is you shall not commit adultery, deals with all sexual matters exteriorly. In other words, all actual sexual activity. The ninth commandment, which is you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, deals with interior sexual purity. 
In other words, all of our sexual thoughts and desires. Following God's order, we'll begin with the Sixth Commandment. The Sixth Commandment obliges us to be pure and modest in behavior when both alone and with others. It forbids impurity and immodest behavior and everything that leads to impurity. Some of the common sins committed against the Sixth Commandment are adultery, fornication, contraception, homosexual activity, prostitution, premarital sex, masturbation, and pornography. Due to time restraints, we won't cover all of these, but we'll certainly cover the most important. Let's begin by defining fornication and adultery. Fornication is sexual intercourse between an unmarried man and an unmarried woman. Adultery is sexual intercourse between two persons, at least one of whom is married. The reason for these two commandments is that God intends for us to be monogamous. Most animals aren't monogamous. Lower life forms don't possess the gifts of intellect and reason, so sexual intercourse for them is nothing more than a means of reproduction. Because humans possess the faculties of intellect and reason, sexual intercourse is both a means of reproduction and an expression of love for each other. A huge part of love between two people is trust. Trust between a man and a woman can't exist if there are other sexual partners involved. Family is the backbone of society regardless of what the social and cultural elites would have you believe. Without focus on the family, societies break down. We've been witnessing that reality in America and the more developed countries of the West since about 1960. The only way families can stay together and thrive is if there's a strong bond of trust between the family members, especially the husband and wife. Again, there can't be any trust between husband and wife if there have been other sexual partners involved. That's why God gives us a moral norm that enforces monogamy. Now let's consider a huge factor in a monogamous marriage. I'm referring to contraception. Contraception is seriously sinful because it rejects chaste married love and defies God by wanting to increase pleasure while avoiding the God-given responsibility of appropriating children. Furthermore, the irresponsible use of sex by way of contraception leads to a lack of respect for sex, the marriage partner as a person, and life. When Pope St. Paul VI wrote the papal encyclical Humanae Fide in 1968 to affirm the 2,000-year ban on contraception, many, if not most Catholics, rejected that encyclical. They rejected it to the point that today over 90% of Catholic couples use contraception. In 1995, Pope St. John Paul II wrote Evangelium Vitae as a reaffirmation of Humanae Vitae and to try to get Catholic couples to stop offending God and committing mortal sin. Obviously, it didn't work. Not only was Pope Pius XII right when he declared that we've lost our sense of sin, but modern Catholics have bought into the lie that contraception is an easy way of spacing out births. I strongly recommend reading these two encyclicals. For less than $10, you can get both of them from the Dodge of St. Paul. You can buy them online or through the mail by writing to the Dodge of St. Paul. I'll have those things in my show notes. God created the human body as two sexes. The reason for two sexes is because they were made to procreate. That is the only purpose of the human body. After all, God could have made us the way he did angels, pure spirit and no body. But he chose to create us in such a way as to allow us to cooperate with him in the generation of human life. 
The very first commandment God ever gave to the human race was to be fruitful and multiply. This isn't something he gave humans as a suggestion as we see in Genesis 38, 1-10. Just as God wiped out the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for the perversions of the people there, so too did he kill Onan for his sexual perversion of not being open to the transmission of human life. It is indeed a sexual perversion to practice artificial contraception. Now, what does that make the practitioner of artificial contraception if it's a perversion? You do the math. To say it's a sexual perversion to practice artificial contraception and its adherents are perverts is a tough pill to swallow, but it merely follows the physiological model of natural law. Homosexual activity, masturbation, and artificial contraception are all three sexual perversions, and Catholics are forbidden to participate in these perversions, not just by the Catholic Church, but by God himself. Despite that, statistics show that over 99% of Catholics who divorced were using artificial contraception in their marriage. The most common artificial contraception is the pill. The pill is evil morally, ethically, and medically. It condemns women to a premature death, impedes the conception of children, and destroys life in the womb. Furthermore, the use of the pill leads people into other immoral sexual activities that lead to eternal punishment in hell. None of this is new under the sun. From the very beginning of the church's inception, she has taught that artificial contraception is evil. Yes, she has taught that for 2,000 years. And all of the non-Catholic Christian religions taught the same thing as well until the Anglican Lambeth Conference in 1930. So acceptance of the idea that we could defy God and impede the procreation of children is not yet 100 years old. By the way, by logical extension, any sexual activity that prevents possible conception of the child is morally evil and forbidden. Therefore, oral and anal sex to ejaculation are forbidden. They're acceptable as foreplay, but not to ejaculation. Personally, I think that participating in those activities as foreplay is foolish, because chances are high that ejaculation will end up happening anyway. When I talk about contraception, thinking people almost always ask if fertility drugs are morally acceptable. The reason is that if a pill or gadget in the conjugal relationship is immoral, then maybe fertility drugs aren't morally acceptable either. The answer is that fertility drugs are morally acceptable. In fact, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that research aimed in reducing human sterility is to be encouraged. These same people often ask about other means of overcoming sterility. They ask about the use of sperm or an ovum from a third party, a surrogate mother, and in vitro fertilization, often called test tube babies. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, in vitro fertilization is evil because it dissociates the sexual act from the procreative act. Use of the sperm or an ovum from a third party is also a condemned practice. Regarding that, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, techniques that entail the dissociation of husband and wife by the intrusion of a third person other than the couple are gravely immoral. Although contraception is a perversion of nature and morally wrong, the spacing out of births isn't. 
In other words, the Catholic Church certainly doesn't promote the idea that couples have to have as many kids as possible. Serious reasons for spacing out births may come from physical or psychological conditions of the husband or wife, or from external conditions. However, selfishness is always a sinful motive. Are there methods of birth control that don't offend God? Sure, there are natural methods of birth control that don't offend Him if used for the right reasons. These methods are called natural family planning or NFP. Natural family planning refers to several methods that are in conformity with the biological harmonies God's impressed on the human nature. These methods use no chemicals nor gadgets. They're based on sound scientific knowledge and they're completely harmless, reliable, and healthy. I always recommend two resources. The first is Natural Family Planning International, founded by John and Sheila Kipley, the two foremost experts in natural family planning techniques in the United States. They offer a free natural family planning guide utilizing all the current research in this type of family planning. The second is the Creighton Model Fertility Care System. Creighton can be used for both avoiding pregnancy and achieving pregnancy for people who are having trouble with that. I'll give the website addresses for both of these in my show notes. Natural family planning is morally and religiously acceptable if rightly used. Now, by rightly used, I mean that natural family planning requires the use of intelligence and self-control, and that it should only be used when married people have serious motives for spacing out births, which I mentioned earlier. Now let's talk about the perversions of homosexual activity, masturbation, and premarital sex. Although it's hardly necessary, I want to define what homosexual activity is in order to make sure we're all reading off the same page. Homosexual activity is sexual relations between people of the same sex. Homosexuality is a gravely disordered condition and homosexual activity is always mortally sinful. It's never okay. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says, basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as grave depravity, tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine, effective, and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. It's important to remember, though, that it's homosexual activity that's immoral, not the homosexual person. Although being homosexual is disordered, as long as the homosexual lives a chaste life, it's no more immoral to be a homosexual than it is to be a heterosexual. It follows that everything else in LGBT ideologies are immoral and perverted. Despite what these terribly confused people say, gender fluidity and pedophilia are perverse and gravely immoral. The next thing is masturbation. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, masturbation is the deliberate stimulation of genital organs in order to derive sexual pleasure. Both the magisterium of the church in the course of a constant tradition and moral sense of the faithful have been in no doubt and have firmly maintained that masturbation is an extrinsically and gravely disordered action. Finally, let's talk about premarital sex before moving on to the Ninth Commandment. 
Premarital sex is sexual intercourse before marriage founded on the error that in it consists the total commitment of the future spouses. Such sexual relations are mortally sinful because sex is reserved for the bond of matrimony. Because sex is reserved for the bond of matrimony, there's no such thing as recreational sex or friends with benefits. Well, I guess there are such things, but they violate both the natural and divine laws. Now let's talk briefly about the ninth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. This commandment obligates us to be pure in all our thoughts and desires. It forbids all deliberate, impure thoughts, intentions, imaginings, desires, and feelings deliberately aroused or indulged in. This means we have to preserve chastity at all costs. The main dangers to chastity are laziness, unbridled curiosity, bad company, excessive drinking, and drug abuse, immodest dress, like you see at mass all the time, pornography, suggestive music, and obscene talk. I waited until mentioning the Ninth Commandment before talking about pornography because this is the only sexual perversion that's covered by both commandments. Yes, pornography is a perversion, so users of it are perverts. Pornography is a perversion on multiple levels. There are always victims in the production of pornography. I'm given to understand that the women in porno films are well paid, but there's an incredibly high rate of drug addiction and suicide among them. Of course, child porn creates victims among every child used, stripping them of their innocence. Those who use pornography, whether it's videos or magazines, are really guilty of voyeurism. Anyone who gets a kick out of watching other people engage in sexual activity are as perverted as anyone can get. As I said, we have to preserve chastity at all costs. Preserving our chastity is simple, but it's not easy. You have to make a strong, sometimes Herculean effort. Chastity can be protected by avoiding the dangers to chastity whenever possible, praying for God's grace and help, going to confession and receiving communion often, and cultivating a tender devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now that about covers it on human sexuality. This is certainly going to help many of you better form your conscience. However, it may also cause you to have a lot of questions. Some of your questions may be of a general nature, and some of you may have some questions about specific situations in your lives. Either way, feel free to contact me through my podcast website to ask your questions. I always maintain confidentiality, even if you give me your name. You see, I have to keep it confidential because of the Eighth Commandment which you'll see when we get to it in a couple of weeks. In this episode, we dealt with the interior and exterior aspects of human sexuality. Next week, we'll deal with the interior and exterior aspects of respect for other people's property. I'll see you then. What do Billy D. Williams, the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell, and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross? everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity, how the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. 
Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. Planned Parenthood recently revealed that over the past year it's secretly been constructing an 18,000-square-foot megaclinic in Illinois, which is expected to become an abortion destination for women traveling across from nearby Missouri. Earlier in 2019, we were successful in closing the doors on the last Missouri Planned Parenthood abortuary. I guess they want to try something new. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to LifeSite News. A high school French teacher fired late last year for respectfully refusing to refer to a female student as a male has filed a lawsuit against the school for violating his conscience rights and infringing on his religious beliefs. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to the Western Journal. An elderly woman who endured screams and taunts from so-called anti-fascist protesters while trying to attend a conservative event has responded in a defiant statement, proving that it takes more than a few punks in black sweatpants to stifle free speech. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News News Pick Pick Number 2 Hats off to Fox News. The fired prosecutor at the center of the Ukraine controversy said during a private interview with President Trump's personal attorney Rudy Giuliani earlier this year that he was told to back off an investigation involving a natural gas firm that was linked to Joe Biden's son, according to details of that interview that were handed over to Congress by the State Department's Inspector General Wednesday. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to the blaze. Nicole Lambert's daughter was complaining about headaches and a pain in her arm, so Lambert had her 16-year-old checked out by a pediatrician. Well, the doctor told Lambert that her daughter received Nexplanin, a three-year contraceptive, that had been improperly implanted in her daughter's arm and that it needed to be removed to avoid possible complications, including blood clots. As it turns out, her daughter got the implant at Digital Harbor High School in Baltimore, obviously without parental consent. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. 
The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step -step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. World War III is underway. It's being fought in almost every nation of the world. No, guns and bombs aren't being used, yet. The war has as its objective the minds and souls of every living person. Our Lady of Fatima told us that the last great battle between heaven and hell would be for the family, and everything taking place here in World War III is ultimately about the family. If a history is ever written about World War III, which seems doubtful, it'll be said that the war was fought over sanity versus insanity. I'll focus on the war as it's being fought in America, but make no mistake, this war is global. Since there aren't any military forces with names, I'll just refer to the opposing factions as the loony left and the righteous right. Rumblings for the war began during the early part of the 20th century until the so-called sexual revolution, which was begun by great luminaries such as Margaret Sanger and Sigmund Freud, no one even considered perversions of nature that involved things like contraception, abortion, recreational sex, and homosexuality. Sure, those perversions have always existed, but they were rarities only perpetrated by the marginalized and insane, not people in mainstream society. Right has become wrong, and wrong has become right. Much of the most notable changes in the culture and society leading to this war occurred during my lifetime, so I had a front row seat to the events. This anti-family pro-death ideology formally began with the Anglican Lambeth Conference in 1930, just a mere 89 years ago. Until then, all of the world's religions viewed contraception for what it is, an evil perversion of nature. Under pressure from the European membership to change the theological truth, the Anglican bishops caved into the anti-family pro-death ideology. I read the document they produced. It would make humorous reading if not for the tragedy it brought about. In a nutshell, the Anglican bishops reaffirmed that contraception is an evil worthy of eternity in hell. However, they continued, they were granting permission to Anglican adherents to use it. The 1930 Lambeth Conference opened a floodgate of permissiveness and Pandora's box was flung open wide. America had only 48 states then, but every one of them had laws prohibiting contraception. By 1933, those laws had been swept into the dustbin of history. 
Then in the late 50s, the birth control pill was invented and became available for widespread use by 1965. The next logical step in the developing war was an attack on marriage. A growing faction in society began to think that matrimony isn't necessary. After all, they said, you don't need a license to live together and have sex. Today, most Americans don't even bother with getting married. They just shack up. Making the disposal of marriage even easier was the 1973 Supreme Court Roll and Bolton decisions that legalized abortion on demand. Between contraception and abortion, recreational sex, and cohabitating couples without the benefit of a marital commitment were given every reason in the world to continue down the path of family destruction. The pagan god Moloch was winning. It's our fallen human nature to defend evil when our consciences tell us we're committing sin that we don't want to quit. So the next logical phase of the war was to move homosexual behavior from the shadows of perversion into the light of respectability and acceptance. In the beginning, the homosexual lobby told us all they wanted was to not be discriminated against. They told us they'd never want the ability to marry, given special legal status, nor advance other forms of sexual perversions. They lied. Today they have the legal right to marry, demand that we accept their behavior as the mainstream, and have begun to advance other sexual perversions such as legalized pedophilia. They're also demanding gender fluidity, making the preposterous claim that a person's gender is whatever a person wants it to be, male, female, neutral, or 63 others that relate to neither. The anti-family pro-death lobbies are insistent they're going to shove these perversions down our throats. They're not content to accept the victories they've won, rather they want even more. Now, it's not enough to have abortion on demand. They actually want a woman to be able to decide whether she wants her child after birth. Is it a choice of keeping the child or putting it up for adoption? <laughs> no, because that's not perverted enough. Now the loony left is promoting the idea that if a woman doesn't want the child, it will become the victim of infanticide at the hands of the delivering doctor. This just gets worse and worse with each passing day. When I think I've heard the worst evil perversion imaginable and think the loony left can't possibly come up with anything worse, they astonish me with even greater evil. A great example of this is the various proposed solutions to the lie of climate change. When I was in high school in the 70s, they told us we were headed for a new ice age. Twenty years later, the loony left began preaching global warming, and I wondered if I'd slept through the new ice age. When the righteous right called out the loony left for their hypocritical lies, they simply began calling it climate change. The best-known proposal to counter the lie of climate change is that ignorant congressional bartender's idea called the Green New Deal. If she and the rest of the loony left have their way, we'll be blasted back into the dark ages. There won't be any more fossil fuels, so there won't be any more cars, air travel, or electricity. We also won't have any more meat to eat because they say we have to rid ourselves of animal flatulence. How bizarre can this stuff get? At a recent town hall meeting hosted by the ignorant bartender, one attendee stood up and told everyone that we had to stop eating commercially raised meat and start eating babies. Whether this was a staged hoax or not, 
The scary thing is that the ignorant bartender didn't object to the idea of cannibalizing babies. The righteous right is fighting the loony left with everything they've got. They're doing all they can to educate people about the loony left's destructive ideologies because they realize the victory in this war will win because they capture the hearts and minds of people. We and the righteous right are going to lose this war, though, I fear. We're going to lose because the loony left has a foothold in the one place we can't reach, all the public and many of the private schools. Without exception, every single loony leftist anti-family pro-death ideology is being taught to American children, and always without the consent of the parents. The loony left has absolutely no respect for parental authority. Indeed, they don't believe parents should have any authority over their children at all. So parents and their wishes are completely ignored by the loony left. You might think that there are still plenty of teachers who disagree with this insanity, and you'd be right. The problem is that school districts across the country are purging teachers who aren't on board with the loony leftist anti-family pro-death agenda. For example, a teacher in Virginia was recently fired for refusing to call a female student a boy, the gender she wanted to be identified as. This is just the most recent purging event at least the one we know of, because the media won't report it. The vast majority of colleges and universities in America are preparing the next generation of teachers by indoctrinating them to the loony leftist anti-family pro-death ideologies. When they enter the workforce and attempt to get a job as a school teacher, unless they tow the loony left's line, there won't be any job teaching available. World War III is a war to defend the very existence of human life. Not just babies, but every human being's life. But unless something's done to recapture the minds of our children, we'll lose this war. So what can be done? Well, for starters, grow up. There are very few adults in America. I know scads of men in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who are emotionally and mentally children. For example, grown men don't wear their hats backward or run around in short pants in public. Ten-year-olds do that. This example doesn't have anything to do with actual maturity, but it's an outward sign of what's inside a man's mind and heart. Secondly, be a parent. We produce too few children these days. There aren't enough kids being born to care for your generation when you get to be my age. Quit selfishly focusing on material things and start being fruitful and multiply, which was the very first commandment God gave to the human race. Then try becoming actual parents. A parent places his children above everything else except God. Actually rear your children in the nurture and admonition of God. Yes, that means you'll have to spank them from time to time, which means you can't be your children's buddy. If you want more detail on the things you should and can do, don't hesitate to reach out to me through the Cantankerous Catholic Podcast website. If you think you can just sit on the sidelines and merely be an observer in World War III, you're wrong. You have to get involved in the fight. If you fail to get involved, you're guilty of helping the loony left promote their anti-family pro-death agenda. Is that really what you want to try to explain to Jesus when it's time to face his judgment? I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story.
Jesus once said that the kingdom of heaven is like a king who made a wedding feast for his son. He sent his servants to call in those invited to the wedding feast, but they wouldn't come. He sent out other servants to invite the people, but they paid no attention to them. So the king punished those people. The king told his servants to gather everyone they could find and bring them to the wedding feast because everything was ready. The king went in to see the guests. He saw a man who didn't put on a wedding garment. The king said to him, Friend, why did you come here without a wedding garment? The man didn't know what to say, so the king said to his servants, Tie his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The king in this parable is God the Father. Jesus is the son the king held the wedding feast for. The wedding feast itself is the Holy Eucharist, where you receive the food for your soul. You're invited to receive Holy Communion, but you have to be in a state of sanctifying grace. If you receive communion in mortal sin, you commit a sacrilege. Then God will ask you why you didn't come wearing a wedding garment. If you should die in that state of sin without contrition, God will have to say to his angels, cast him into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That would mean eternal punishment. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.